Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Ariana Bravo, and this is the Autosport Podcast. It's Sunday, 28th of March, and wow, race day in Bahrain, and what an unbelievable season opener. Lewis Hamilton took the win after a gripping battle to the very last lap against Max Verstappen. It was a race filled with action, overtaking, and crucial strategy calls. We were treated to battles throughout the field, impressive drives from the likes of Lando Norris and Sergio Perez. Meanwhile, elsewhere, the day didn't go quite to plan with DNFs for Nikita Mazepin and Fernando Alonso. Early contact for Pierre Gasly, which ultimately ruined his race, and another tough day for Sebastian Vettel, who finishes the day with a 10-second penalty and five penalty points on his licence. I'm Ariana Bravo, and joining me to chat about all of today's action is Autosports Technical Director Jake Boxall-Legg, Director of Digital Strategy at Motorsport Network, Jess McFadden, and Motorsport.com's F1 editor, Jonathan Noble. Well, guys, where do we even start? That was an absolute treat, and there is so much to talk about, but we're going to start with the end of the race and we're going to start with you, JBL. What did you make of those last few laps? <laughs> I know why you've asked me this first and uh, it's because I said <laughs> off air that I thought it was a little bit anticlimactic and I'm going to absolutely stand by that. That's exactly <laughs> why I asked you first. <laughs> and I'm going to stand by that view if you'll stay with me for just a minute. I thought on the whole, the race was absolutely fantastic for Formula One. It is what we've needed for so many years when it has just been... Lewis Hamilton taking nothing away from him at all, but just sort of going off into the distance and everyone else just sort of picking their own fights as well. And we got a full battle for the lead. But after 
Max had made his pass on uh, Lewis at the start of, uh, sorry, at the end of turn four, and then had to give it back because he'd done the move with all four wheels off the track. He couldn't really get going again, and he couldn't find that tire life to mount another attack. And it didn't quite fizzle out, but nothing really happened for the last five laps. And so that's why I think it was a little bit anticlimactic. But but otherwise, it was a, a phenomenal race. Just just needed that little something extra at the end. Controversial. <laughs> Starting the recording very controversially. Jess, what about you? I know you were buzzing for today's race and I'm guessing you didn't think it disappointed or? Well, I guess like in the moment, I was edge of seat, heart in mouth. You know, if I'd have been wearing a heart rate monitor, it was probably going to be reading off the charts. I thought it was really exciting. And I agree with JBL. I think it was a brilliant race. I think it was um, a definite season opener that we all deserved. But now I've had a bit of time to process. I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but I do. Maybe I do agree with JBL, which I didn't think I'd be saying. I mean, maybe that is maybe Max denied us a bit of a as 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 a as climactic race as we possibly could have had I'm not saying it wasn't climactic I think it was great but maybe him going off or you know misjudging that 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 um overtake having to give the position back dirtying up his tires not really getting that momentum back I mean he was only 0.7 seconds off at the end which was great but you did think kind of come the what penultimate lap or uh, second to last lap Hamilton's got this and it was a bit like oh it could have been a it could have been an absolute dogfight to the end but I don't know maybe maybe we were denied a little something something but I mean I'm not going to complain I would take that race I'd happily watch that race play out again for the next 22 races or however many we're going to have but um no I think it was great I think and I was you know it, considering how much investment Formula One has put into marketing to new fans I just think that having a season opener like that in comparison to arguably a more subdued season opener that we've seen in previous seasons when we've gone to Melbourne first, I think that was the season opener that we all deserved and and hopefully more of that to come, please. If you were a new fan and that was the first taste of Formula One that you were getting, that's exactly what we want. That's what we want people to be engaging with. John, what did you make of it, though? Are you in the same boat as these two? Are you now reflecting and thinking, actually, you know, there was a little bit of room for improvement there? Or do you still think it was a good one? I'm not going to go down that path because I think if if we'd had, a say, a safety car three laps from home and we'd been robbed of a complete classic, then I think you could feel it was would have been a huge anticlimax. But the race played out completely fairly. Um, you know, Max made the error in running wide. You overtook outside the track. That's part of the rules. You've got to give that position back. And then it was his his job to pull things back together again, um, make the, the pass on Lewis and take the win. So just because he didn't do it, I don't think it made the race any, any less of a spectacle. Uh, I think it was a complete brilliant thriller. The kind of the, the battle between Red Bull and Mercedes and Lewis and Max that we've been waiting for. And if that's a taster of what we're going to get this season, then uh, we're going to have 22 more fantastic weekends. Now, going into today, obviously, Red Bull were the favourites. But at what point in the race did you guys realise that actually maybe this isn't going to be as clear cut as people thought? When did you sort of think, oh, actually, we have a real battle unfolding before us? 
what this race has done or maybe what this season um the, the the situation we find ourselves in is is mercedes has to make strategy calls whereas before they would always they would never have to do much in the way of defense or attack it would just be stick it where we need to play the strategies as to the optimum and we'll probably get a one too whereas this time they've really had to think about it and you know there were points where they weren't so early that, that yeah, Red Bull were convinced they're going to have to pit stop again, and I think it was it was probably at those moments where you thought the momentum's going to swing here, and maybe Max isn't going to claw this back. And I think we know how well Lewis is at tire management as well. Um, and you know there was questions about what well, Max was gaining at quite some speed towards the end, but you just I don't know there was something that telling me you know I think Lewis is just nursing his tires here I think he's going to eke these out and it's not going to be easy and it's probably going to be very close but there is a chance that that these are going to go to the end and that he's going to have enough grip just to hold on so I think that was that was the moment for me it was it was seeing Mercedes kind of be clever with their strategy calls um and it falling into place for them as it turned out Mercedes was the ones with the team that attacked with their strategy they were much more offensive and Red Bull were a little bit passive and they were just sort of trying to play their own game and and, you know Stappen wasn't reacting to Mercedes potentially getting an undercut or this that and the other but to be honest with you in a straight fight it should have theoretically been if if they'd matched them like for like then surely you know Red Bull would be the team on top and instead they engineered a situation for themselves where Hamilton was six, seven seconds ahead and Verstappen had to go and chase him and this happened twice. And it was just a little bit of a strange kind of just, yeah, just being passive, just letting Mercedes sort of take the initiative. And it's like, well, we'll do our own thing and, you know, we've got enough in reserve to go and catch up. And I think they were a little bit lackadaisical with that. But I think that came from the fact that Mercedes had two cars up there. So it put Red Bull in a position where they were damned if they tried to cover Lewis because then you'd leave the door open for Valtteri to run long and damned if they, they stayed out. So I think it was part of a disadvantage that there were two Mercedes up there. Uh, and it really hung on small things because if Valtteri's second stop hadn't been botched and he lost all that time, he'd have been dumped into the, the traffic and would have closed off Max's options even more. So I think it was just symptomatic of there not being much pace potential and Mercedes having the, the balls to go aggressive with that first Stop. So it was those laps after the first stop where Lewis had already got the undercut and meant Max couldn't stop that really turned the race around. Yeah, I feel like strategy played a really good part in this race. And I like it when we see a mix of the actual racecraft and strategy intertwining to affect the outcome. But one of the crucial parts of today's race was, of course, when Verstappen did that overtake on lap 53, but then went wide. And then we had this whole issue of track limits as we said he had to give it back to Lewis Hamilton and there have been lots of confused fans as they don't understand why Max had to give that back when we'd seen earlier in the race that the Mercedes cars had been take had been running wide um quite a few times and hadn't been penalized can we expand on this can we break this down for the fans so that people can understand what what the difference was there they're basically two separate they're two completely separate kind of rules and issues that have been wrapped up just because they're taking place at the, in the same place. So <clears throat> you've got general track limits, which is what's policed, was policed during qualifying. So I mean, we turned up here on Thursday and the FI had said, we're not going to police limits at track turn four. So on Friday, all the drivers abused to turn four. Then overnight on Friday, the FI said, oh, we are going to police turn four actually. 
and anyone who runs wide will get their lap times deleted for qualifying, which is what happened. Then in the race, the drivers are told that you can run wide, it's fine, um, but if you pull off an overtake and move off track, you will be penalised for that. So then in the race, bizarrely, the Mercedes were running wide during the start of the race. Red Bull, um, which was giving them one, two temps a lap. So Red Bull cottoned onto this and told Max, I think you can start doing it. And then suddenly the positions seemed to change during the race. So we're still waiting to hear from Michael Massey for an explanation on this. But um, so you've got that issue, which is about general performance and how many times you do it. And actually, it's a completely separate issue about you need to complete an overtaking move inside the limits of the track. You can't, you know, go off down a straight and overtake somebody. You can't cut inside a corner to overtake somebody. You can't get past someone, then run wide on the exit of a corner to complete that move. So this is this is what Max fell foul of. So I think it was actually legitimately, you know, was a breach of the rules to, to have that move completed off the track. Um, but it's completely, you can't mix it up with what was happening earlier, even though it appears to be the same. They're actually two very separate and distinct rules, if that makes sense. We also see a lot of talk about Lewis Hamilton and the fact that his success is down to the car. It's the car, it's the car, it's the car. If you put anyone in the car, they would have as much success. What do you think races like today do for that mindset? Do you think these sorts of incidents prove that no that's definitely not the case you know not many people would have been able to hold on the way he did with those older tires or do you think that the car was still a a defining factor in this Jess you go you look like you're deep in thought on that (laughs) no I think after the Sakir Grand Prix Max was asked you know why should Mercedes keep Lewis Hamilton on like why don't after this why don't you just put George in that team, save a few million a year in in driver salary, um, and still have a a, a high performing driver. And, and Max's response to that was that Lewis is a champion, and it will be at crucial moments where his skill and experience will be the difference between winning and losing. And I think we saw that today, as we watched the kind of the 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 battle at the end. There, you know, Lewis was clearly massively losing grip um he was on much older tires and yet you still saw him put that mercedes absolutely where he needed to he was getting the exits out of corners that he needed to to keep that gap and and to wrangle it home and i think you know i think both drivers showed their absolute class and why they are kind of over and above the achievers that of, of this generation of Formula One that you know they are just they're just amazing you know Max Max was pulling in all kinds of uh, moves as well and you know even at the the safety car restart you know making sure that Hamilton couldn't get the toe down the down the straight especially because he knew he was against a headwind it's it's stuff like that that will differentiate the good drivers from the great drivers and I think the the car debate is always going to always going to follow Formula One. It's the nature of the beast. It's the nature of the series that we cover. It's the nature of motorsport. It's, it's driver and machine. And, and there will always be a level of um, balance needed to be, to be drawn between, you know, is that driver in the right machinery, um, et cetera, et cetera. But I think it will be performances like today that at least show fans, hopefully, <laughs> that there are points of difference and that there are, um, amazing great drivers and 
very, very good drivers. Let's talk about Valtteri Bottas. Oh, I saw that face, Jess. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. I don't know what you mean. We saw the painful 10 second pit stop, which really did set him back. But what did you guys make of his performance as a whole today? JBL, to you first. What did you think of how Bottas did? I think it was just sort of, it was one of those days that Valtteri has where he, he doesn't ever have the edge over Hamilton over the weekend, um, which is unfortunate because um, usually he starts the season so well and he, he comes into the season so sort of renewed and with vigor and he comes in and think, oh, is this Bottas three point whatever? But it just seemed, I don't know, it just seemed a little bit, it was it was fine as performances go, but he did, you know, he got P3. He was in the mix, as John mentioned earlier, to ensure that Mercedes could make their strategies work but he just wasn't ever really there and and factoring for the race lead which is it just it kind of shows that you know he's absolutely no slouch behind the wheel and obviously just spoke about how you know lewis is one of the most perhaps complete drivers that we've seen in formula one Uh, i'm putting words into your mouth a little bit there bottas is absolutely no slouch behind the wheel but it just shows that massive uh that dip in performance between someone who's very, very good and someone who's absolutely on top of their game. Um, And Hamilton had tyre issues and yet he was able to just dig a little bit deep. Uh, He kind of has this sixth sense on, you know, on the throttle when the tyres are going, he knows exactly how much power to put through the, the rear axle, not to overdo it because I think that in his early career, he did overdo it and he learned from that. Um, But I feel like Bottas just doesn't, didn't have that about him today he wasn't able to take that mercedes which is maybe the second best car at the moment just by a little bit but uh you know transcend its performance uh it just he just wasn't there um so i think it was a very p3 drive yeah i think he's potentially struggled a bit more with this tricky mercedes than lewis has um you know we saw here on friday practice for example in that really bad um race sim where the, you know he said it was undrivable so i think he's perhaps struggled a bit more with the car, um, which then was kind of exposed at the start of the race when he dropped back into the pack a bit when Lewis went on the attack. Um, so maybe he's not as confident on, on the rear end. Um, and then I think also the way the, the way the race then panned out is that he was put on a defensive strategy that they went aggressive with Lewis. So you're going for the undercut, you're going for the, the charging race, you're going on the attack, um, you know, which is perfect for Lewis. That then forced Mercedes knew that they had to kind of split their options if they were going to beat the Red Bull one way or the other. Um, and that meant Valtteri was put onto a conservative strategy, so had to look after tyres. You're extending stints. You're driving slower than you need to. Uh, you know, and potentially the race then slips away from you just because you're not on the ideal strategy. Uh, and then it tumbles out of control again when you get a very long pit stop. Um, so yeah, I think it was just just the way the. The cards fell on a weekend where he wasn't as on top of the car as Lewis. So I think the gap was potentially bigger than you know it could have been. Um, and it was the, the point of Mercedes splitting strategies as well, kind of expanded things and, and made things much worse than they looked. And what do you think about the year ahead for Bottas? Because obviously we all know now that George Russell is sort of waiting in the wings. Um, there's someone that there who could step in and 
people assume would t- put in a really strong performance. Do you think that this year for Bottas is very much a make or break in terms of his place in the team? Or do you think that actually it will ultimately just come down to Lewis's decision and the team will base it more around what Lewis decides to do in terms of potentially retiring? Valtteri needs to prove to Mercedes this year more than he's ever done as to why he deserves a seat for next season. They've got every reason to put George in that car next year. Um, you know, George will have completed three years at Williams. Um, and you know, Another year for him of potentially battling for points if they can get there you know, isn't you can't have a fourth or fifth year of that. At some point, you need to step into a better car. You need to be fighting, you know, minimum for points each weekend, but potentially for podiums. So, if George is going to progress as a driver, he needs to be in a quicker car next year. Um, and I think Mercedes know he's, you know, ready for the good days. He can iron out his bad days with this final year at Williams. So, there's every reason to put George in next season. And I think the only way that you know that could be stopped is Valtteri does something in that car and challenges Lewis enough to, you know, show that this is why, you know, he deserves that seat for next season. I'm also very sceptical that Lewis will walk at the end of this year. We saw today, that's not a man who's got half an eye on turning your back on Formula One and going to do something else. This is a man, uh, and he said afterwards, you know, at his peak, he felt today that, you know, this is, he's at his best, he enjoys winning, and he'll probably thrive on the the challenge of a, a proper tussle with, Max Verstappen, because you, you know, you're not going to get bored if you've got to, you know, raise your game and lift yourself to the levels he did today, and you can come out and win races that potentially weren't there to be won. So, this could be uh, that inspires Lewis to stay on for many more. Jess, your thoughts on Bottas and what he needs to do this year? Why do I feel that's a loaded question? Um, <laughs> no, I think that the, the the thing is, and this obviously this has come up year after year after year, and you know. Bottas has been there since 2017 now. You know, he's, he's, he's had a good old good old run. But I think the biggest thing for Mercedes is, other than, yes, they have a George Russell um, kind of poking at them and going, oi, when's it my turn? Um, the partnership works, right? Like, he doesn't challenge Lewis, uh, or he doesn't challenge Lewis too often to make it a Nico Rosberg situation. Um and you know up until well and and this is this you know this is race 1 of a potential 23 race season i think it's too early it's too early to tell but in terms of does bottas have to come out and show that he does is deserving of that seat yes but he's had to do that every year since 2017 um so yes the pressure is always on um, I think the fact that we do have a Red Bull in the mix now is probably going to make him a bit anonymous when it comes to the title race, if it continues the way it does. Um, you know, there was no mention of him. He was a bit of, he, apart from his botched pit stop and him potentially holding up the Red Bulls, it was a bit, not really much to say about Valtteri Bottas this weekend. So, you know, he will have strong performances. I, I, I have no doubt that there will be some performances where he will shine. It's just the consistency, and I think that's something that's always been lacking with with Valtteri. And as as John said, with with George Russell waiting in the wings, Mercedes have a have a problem that's not going to go away until they work out what the future of the team is going to look like. And a Russell Hamilton partnership might work really well, but it also might be absolute fireworks. I don't know. I don't get. I don't get the same senses as as you know. Uh, Russell versus Rosberg but 
you know, that they don't want to rock the boat. They're having a really nice time of it and they have done since 2014. So why why would they why would they try and upset that right now? But yeah. Um he's just got to do better, I guess. Yeah, I agree. I think the George Russell thing is definitely an added pressure, but as you said, Mercedes don't want to rock the boat and if it's not broken don't fix it they don't want to upset Lewis Hamilton they know that he's a safe pair of hands more than a safe pair of hands that he's you know the driver that you want in your car um so they they do have a careful decision to make there we touched on George Russell let's talk about what else happened today and some of the other drivers that we saw Lando Norris, he put in some great racing today. We saw him getting right into it with Charles Leclerc and ultimately he ended P4. What did you make of Norris's performance today, JBL? I think Norris's performance, first of all, was very, very impressive in that he... I think he was helped a little bit by by Perez being so far down that he was able to you know get there, but he was really unchallenged today. Um, the key thing at the start was getting ahead of Daniel Ricciardo, which he did um, before the safety car came out. So he timed that incredibly well. And then just made his way to, to P4 and he cemented that and he had that locked down like Fort Knox. Um, nobody challenged him. Charles Leclerc was sort of in and around that area, but he was busy battling with, you know, Perez and Ricciardo and all of those sorts of drivers as well. So Norris was just there he just he had that um and it's just the more i see him the more i'm impressed by him um because i remember watching him back in formula 2 in 2018 and he won that first race in bahrain and then he just sort of he settled down into the season where he did he didn't win again and he was consistently in the points but he couldn't quite get near to george russell enough but what he's found in formula one in the two years that he's been in the McLaren is he's found that consistency. He's been able to just raise his game and build on that. And I think that comes with a couple of years in the series. He's able to sort of have that foundation year and then just build on that. And 2020 was really impressive as well. And I think I remember when, you know, we were discussing the McLaren launch and we thought maybe Daniel Ricciardo will have the edge on him. But on the base of this performance, if he pulls that out every single week, then... Norris is going to be a real surprise this season. Yeah, what do you guys think of of how things will unfold with Norris versus Ricardo? Do you think that actually it's not going to be as I know a lot of people thought that Ricardo would come in and given his experience he probably would be the more successful of the two. Do you think that actually Jess and John based off of what you saw today, no Norris is stepping up his game this year. Obviously, it's only been one race, but <laughs> that's what we've got to go on for now. I think it'll be nip and tuck between them. And I think they'll both push each other to new limits. I think there's some very interesting comments from Lando tonight where he talked about um, having looked at the data yesterday. So Daniel, Daniel had beaten him in qualifying, which, you know, great psychological moment for both drivers in your first qualifying session. So getting that first notch in the wall in terms of out qualifying your teammate uh, went Daniel's way. So Lando looked at the data, looked at what was happening and felt that um, Daniel's style of driving had perhaps suited this car more that Lando maybe needs to shake off how he'd approached dealing with the last two years McLarens and do things a bit differently um, with this McLaren. So he changed a, changed a few things overnight, kind of his approach to driving and how he was extracting performance from the car. And he says it kind of lifted his performance. So I think what we'll see is two evenly matched drivers. I think we'll see, you know, may well see them qualifying you know maybe 10 v 12 or 
11 v 12 or however many races we get I think it'll be very very close between them and there'll be weekends where I think Daniel will be ahead clearly and weekends where Lando will be ahead clearly um, but I think that's exactly what McLaren wants that they want two really really strong drivers pushing the team forwards and getting the points because in that incredibly tight midfield battle if all your points are being scored by one driver you're going to end up finishing seventh so it's absolutely essential you've got two guys up there racking in the points let's now talk about Sergio Perez because at the start of this race on the formation lap we saw he experienced that issue and for a moment there it looked like his race actually could be over before it even started but managed to sort that out and he started from the pit lane but he did get himself back up the grid through the race he fought his way forward what do you feel like it shows for him in terms of the year ahead obviously Red Bull really want a concrete second driver to support Max and we saw even today the fact that Perez wasn't up there in the same way that that Mercedes had Lewis and Bottas do you think that Perez is looking is looking good for the year ahead given the drive that he put in today or still too early to tell and we'll need to see when he's actually up battling um amongst Mercedes yeah I think he obviously had a bit of a difficult weekend as his first weekend with the Red Bulls um but I think I don't know why anybody would be surprised as to his performance today I mean obviously it wasn't quite his Sakir Grand Prix back of the grid to first position kind of performance but it was it was strong and he's just he's just very very good at cutting through the pack um and 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 climbing back up and I think we we've all known that he's incredibly good with tire management I mean his nickname is tire whisperer he just seems to be able to eke performance out of out of tires and I think he's just very very level-headed and consistent I mean there were a couple of times during the race where I you know he had a he had a a few close calls in uh, some of his overtakes but you know on the whole whole, he's very he's a very planted driver and he's very very good so I think you know it's it's got to come down to can he get used to that Red Bull and and can he compete with Max I think that's they're going to be the key questions. But for, like for me, I, I I wasn't surprised to see him climb his way up. Um, but obviously, P five when Max is battling for the win is still not going to be quite good enough for Red Bull, and they do need both both cars up there to really challenge Mercedes. Um, because obviously, Mercedes have work, walked away with two podium points hauls uh, today, and. They're gonna they're gonna need to make sure that they don't drop a deficit. So I don't foresee uh, Sergio maybe having as many problems as as maybe the likes of Gasly and Albon in in days past. But you know that that second Red Bull seat does seem to have a few a few issues and a few problems. So I'm hoping it's not cursed, <laughs> um, and I think we will see we will see Perez. Um, Perez like performance like we have seen in the past and I think this is a really good shot for him in a in a premier team so yeah I think there shouldn't be any worries right now I wouldn't be worried and again as we keep saying it's only the first round of the season um I think he's got plenty more plenty more to show us and what do you think of the position he's actually going to have in the team obviously the car is built around Max but do you think that the team are going to expect him to sort of slot into the support second driver role, even though they would, they would never say it in so many words? Or do you think they will be happy to let him and Max go at it and battle for position? What sort of setup do you see it being? 
I think, of course, Max is their 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 gun driver. He's the the point man, and they were looking for someone who was going to challenge the Mercedes on a much more regular basis um, than than either Albon or Gasly did. But I think they know how good a driver Sergio Perez is. He's a race winner, um, and even though p5 on the face fit looking at the results context free is not ideal uh and you'd expect one of those aforementioned drivers to have done the same he put in a stunning turn of pace today um and you know he he, he had the uh change to his control electronics and his uh his battery and then everything seemed to go wrong again and luckily he managed to get it into a fail mode get the car started again um uh, and work his way through the pack and I think Red Bull appreciates that. And when he's up to speed in that car and he's qualifying near the front, which is something that, you know, he has it in him to do. And again, last year, I think Albon and his struggles with that car just wasn't really happening for him. They'll expect Perez to qualify higher. And I think, honestly, I do think on measure every now and again, he will be able to take it to max and he will be able to win a few races. Um, but it will take a little bit of time to do that. Yeah, I think that, you know, Red Bull's famous as the kind of a, a disruptor brand. Um, they like that. And I think they've hired Perez to be a disruptor driver to Mercedes, basically. They don't necessarily need him to be going wheel to wheel with Max all the time, but they need him in that mix with Mercedes at the front regularly. Because um, if he'd been up there today, if he'd been running in third place or fourth place in those early stages, you know, Lewis wouldn't have been able to do the undercut. So he would have disrupted Mercedes' freedom to go for that um, first stop with Lewis, which you know swung things towards Mercedes in the race. So that's what they they desperately need him to do. Um, they want him qualifying kind of near the front. But I think the good thing about today is if he'd left Bahrain having retired on the formation lap after a difficult qualifying, confidence levels would have been quite low, um, would have been fairly hard. But I think having pulled off that race, having you know, brilliantly managed the tyres, pulled off the overtaking moves, got a decent haul of points. It would have just lifted confidence and erased some doubts about his race potential and gives him a much better um, grounding as he goes to Imola to try to work on that single lap pace because Rebel accepts he's not as quick as Max on a single lap. Um, you know, Sergio's not renowned as a quick qualifier. He's renowned as a brilliant racer. Um, if they can get him qualifying third, fourth, just get up there, mix it in with Mercedes, bring home some podiums, pick up the pieces and grab the wins when other people fall off or retire or, you know, a day where Max isn't doing it. Um, that's what they that's what they want and need. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. He just needs to be up there enough to give Mercedes a bit of a headache. Uh, not necessarily um, taking the wins all the time, but just up there more than we have seen with some of the past drivers in that second seat. Now, it always feels weird talking about the teams at the top and obviously not mentioning Ferrari, but given their recent performance over the last few years, we're sort of used to that now. But what did you guys make of their performance today? They ended P6 and P8. What did you think of how the Ferrari guys did? I think they've shown some progress this weekend. If you look at the um, <clears throat> qualifying times comparing last year to this year, most of the teams have lost about 1.3 seconds in terms of that, that front of the midfield pack. You know, Red Bull, AlphaTauri, McLaren, um, all 1.3 seconds slower. 
we know the Mercs have dropped two seconds and the Aston Martins dropped two seconds, but Ferrari only lost half a second over the winter. So much, you know, big contrast to everybody else. So they've clearly made progress on the engine front. They've clearly made progress um, with the car in terms of much less draggy aerodynamics. Um, maybe got rid of some of the balance issues. So, you know, signs of progress. It's not enough yet. This is, you know, this is Ferrari. This is a team expected to fight for wins and world championships. So, but I think they've they've moved into that battle now with McLaren and potentially AlphaTauri in terms of that front of the, the midfield pack. Um, and then, I mean, on today's race, you know, Charles drove everything we've expected to. Carlos Sainz emitted a bit of nerves at the beginning, actually. First race for Ferrari. He didn't want to do anything stupid early on, so he was probably too cautious on the first few laps, just getting these getting himself up to speed and that kind of dropped him down the order and it's you know hard to recover from that so he knows he needs to be more aggressive next time but I think an encouraging start but it's the start of a you know long road back for Ferrari it's nowhere near where they where they want or need to be and speaking of midfield teams Alpha Tauri they had a mixed day obviously Gasly started up in fifth but then he had that tangle early on in the race which lost him his front wing and sort of ruined his race basically but Yuki Tsunoda, great debut for him. He finished in points for his first race. Jess, what are you making of Tsunoda? Both on and off track, I think he's just a great addition to Formula One. He's he's fast, he's aggressive, but without being too um, complacent or you know making too many silly mistakes. Um, and he's just got a great attitude. So I think he had an absolutely storming race today. Um, I was worried at the beginning for both, well, obviously Gasly didn't have a great time of it in the end, but, you know, both Alpha Tauris, we expected them to be right up there. You know, we had a, a few predictions. Uh, John on our Instagram live over on motorsport.com had Gasly P3 uh, on the podium um, and that didn't happen. But, you know, Yuki bringing it back and getting it into the points when the midfield is that competitive... I think just, it just we've got a really, really exciting driver to watch this season. And I, I genuinely, I can't wait to see him have a clean race um, because that, that I think that is going to be, that's going to be something to watch. I'm, I'm super excited to have Yuki. Um, yeah, just, just brilliant overall. JBL, what did you make of Yuki and of AlphaTauri more generally today? I think, yeah, Yuki is... Yeah, he's a mega star. He's uh, very, very quick, um, very, very brave as well. Um, didn't really, if even if he was feeling nerves, um, he de- certainly didn't show it today. Uh, I think maybe the first lap was a little bit nervy because he sort of fell down the order a little bit. Um, but getting up to P nine is is phenomenal. Um, AlphaTauri in general, that car is looking really, really good, and it's a real shame that we didn't get to see what Pierre could do in that because. His qualifying was really, really impressive. Throughout testing, they racked up the laps, um, got the joint most of of, of anybody uh, in terms of laps over the over the three days, and it just looks like a really nice car to handle. If there was a reason why you could look at Gasly's time in Red Bull and go, why did he struggle so much there and do so well at Tari Rosso slash Raftari? It's because that car just is built to be really easy to drive, and it might sacrifice a little bit of outright pace, but. Pierre is at one with that car and Yuki will in time become at one with that car as well because it seems to be so pick up and play and the fact that this year it does look particularly quick as well um, especially in the early season the team is going to need to make the most of that for sure Um, depends what the development path is like for the other teams but 
in the early stages if they can get Pierre firing on all the cylinders, if they can get Yuki. He's going to a track that he's driven this car on before uh, up next. So I think that'll be really, really important for them. So, you know, hopefully in Imola that we'll get to see a really impressive showing from them. John, when we spoke on Friday, we spoke about Alpine and the fact that they weren't looking too great. What did you think of today's performance? And are you able to shed a bit more light on what happened with Fernando Alonso's car? Obviously, he retired. Um, can you talk to us a bit about what went wrong there? Yeah, they've had a bit of a mixed weekend, really. You think fr- Friday, they were especially underwhelming. I think even <clears throat> um, Executive Director Martin Budkowski said they'd f- almost frightened themselves by their how slow they were on Friday just because the program they were running and um, you know maybe worried that if everyone else is running the same program we're on are we really this slow but Fernando did a great job um, yesterday in qualifying to get through to Q3 Esteban was a bit unlucky with kind of timings and yellow flags um, so didn't make it and today you know for a while Fernando you know was up there and hassling the McLarens and the Ferrari it was great great to see you know him coming back and, and mixing it where it hoped to be. Um, then there was a brake issue that kind of manifested itself. His pace we suddenly saw him falling down the order, the lap time dropping away, and he had to unfortunately retire the car. And Esteban was stuck at the back and obviously had that unwelcome visit um, into his rear end from Sebastian Vettel. But um, so difficult, difficult day for both of them. Disappointing weekend for the team. Um, been hoping to, to do a lot under the kind of Alpine rebranding. I think we've seen some glimmers of pace there. I don't think the car doesn't look like it's at the front end of the, the midfield um, as it often was at times last year. But um, you know, a number of team bosses have said this tonight. This We've had one race weekend. We've had one qualifying and one race. And it's a strange... Bahrain can be strange at times because of the asphalt and the temperatures um, and the nature of the track. So I think um, we'll have a lot more answers in Imola. When it's, you know, different, very different um, asphalt different nature of circuit, different weather, um, lots of different factors. So I think we'll we'll know more in terms of where are Alpine in the mix there with McLaren and Ferrari and Alfa Tori, or are they, are they kind of at the back end of that um, with Aston Martin? We have to talk about Sebastian Vettel. Today was not a good day for him. He had the incident with Esteban Ocon, which was quite strange because then he came on the radio complaining. What happened today with Sebastian Vettel? Just what was going on there and why was he complaining on the radio? It's just one of those weird things where the driver's clearly frustrated and will just say something on the radio that they might not even necessarily mean, but it's in heat of the moment and they don't want to ever admit fault or they don't like to think that they were at fault for something that was seemingly quite a silly incident. I mean, we've seen we've seen Vettel make similar mistakes kind of in recent years um he's he kind of he loves to lock up he he, he loves a front lock up um which yeah, i don't know if that's just because of driving style or what but it's it does that and spinning seem to be a few of his signature moves which i'm sure he doesn't want to be attributed to him um as much as you know being a four-time world champion which he is um but yeah just 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 not a good weekend and i think he just never really got going um, and, you know, he, he, his whole demeanour from the moment that he had a really poor qualifying to getting the penalty this morning, his entire demeanour was kind of just like, I just need to get through this weekend. I just need to get to the end of Sunday and then come back and do something. 
uh, at hopefully at Imola. Um, because we, we've seen the Aston Martin might not be as strong as we thought uh, it could be or were hoping for. But, you know, Stroll still had a decent finish, all things considered. So there, there is the potential there. It's just that I think, you know, we just need to mark this one off, call it as we saw it. Probably couldn't have been a worse start for Vettel, really. But we know what kind of a driver Vettel is or can be or has been. Um, so again, I don't want to really mark his entire season based on the season opener. I just think, yeah, just 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 silly and and just just a bit of a a, a non-event for him, really. Um, and the fact that he's walking away, I think the biggest thing really is the fact that he's walking away with so many points on his license, which you know that's a few more of them, and you're looking at a race ban. So that's something that he ha- he is going to have to look at. Um, but yeah, let's not write off Sebastian Vettel just yet. Yeah, I don't think we should be writing him off yet, but we do really, really hope that he stops making these silly mistakes. Because like you said, he's a four-time world champion. He's an amazing driver. It just seems that something is just not lining up recently with him. And it is such a shame that the season started like this because so many people thought that this would be the fresh start and he'd be able to go in and have a have a good go within Aston Martin. But obviously it's just not unfolded like that. What do you guys make of the Aston Martin car, though? Obviously, as you said, we saw Stroll had um, a decent time, but the car isn't looking as strong as we had anticipated. JBL, what are you thinking about the car's performance so far? Well, first of all, I assume that the option of a speed awareness course isn't something Vettel can do to get rid of a few points. Um, but uh, with regards to the car... I would love to see that, though. Could we, <laughs> could we start something like an F1 driver awareness <laughs> course? That'd be brilliant. I'd watch that. Be uh, before the actual driver's meeting. Um, hopefully they have a few cameras in. Put it in the Netflix documentary, done. That's a hit. Um, with regards to the car, um, I think... Th- and I think the the biggest noise that you have to listen to is the one of disdain coming from Otmar Safnauer, who has said multiple times that the new floor regulations have really hurt their car. Um, as last year, when they switched to the Mercedes concept uh, slash design, uh, they went for this low rake car. It has been discussed on various TV feeds or things like that, but just a sort of quick one. Low rake is when the inclination of the front uh, is it's a lot more straight and the well, high rake is when the, the rear is further off the ground than it would be for a low rake car. It's probably the easiest way to explain it. But because of these new regulations where you don't have as much floor space to play with, you don't have the slots, you don't have the cuts, you can't drive air outwards and make a seal, you can't do all of these things. Um, it's really hurt that particular car and it's hurt Mercedes to some degree as well because I just don't think that when Mercedes had those slots and when Aston Martin slash Racing Point had those slots and things like that, that really helped the, the lower rate car because it meant that all of the airflow underneath could be much, much cleaner. Whereas if you have a high rate car, you're more at risk of having dirty air drop in underneath the car. But I think they work their way around that. And so when they lose these toys um, that that they had, Rebel was like, well, you know, we've been working at a bit of a loss for a while anyway, so we can we can get around that. But Aston Martin's lost a lot of performance and they've put a lot of time into trying to get it back with the car they came up with a a new floor for this weekend uh which 
presumably brought something. I don't entirely know. They got a point for their efforts. Um, Lance looked good, but just a little bit steady over the course of the race, um, which it, when Lance is firing on all cylinders, he is he's quite ferocious sometimes, but today he was just a little bit placid. Um, he'll have better days this season, I'm sure, but for a, for a difficult start to the season, I think it's better than nothing, I think, is probably the best way to put it. Finish up on discussing today's race. Who for you really stood out and who are you a bit concerned about given performances today? I'm going to go round to each of you and I'm going to go to you first, John, while the other two have a little think. Um, stand out. I think, I think you have to give it to Lewis today. Just the way that race was was controlled, um, they'd gone into the, gone into the evening you know, convinced Red Bull were going to win it. Um, you know, they felt that the gap was somewhere between three and six temps. So, you know, you're bracing yourself for a, a defeat by maybe 20, 30 seconds or something. Um, so I think when he had that that sense early on that he was shadowing Max and then the, the aggressive strategy and then the, the way he managed those ties and that, that stint, because it's not just about being defensive for the final four laps. It was about making sure that you've you've managed your tire life enough so you, you haven't burned them in the first twenty laps of that stint and left nothing for the final six. You've managed the pace, you've controlled the gap, you've not got too ahead of yourself trying to defend a fifteen second lead. You're you're more um you know, controlling it and the gap's coming down steadily. So you've got enough in, in, in reserve when it comes down to those final laps. So hats off to Lewis. I think he's the standout and disappointment of the weekend. Mm. I think either in terms of pace wise I mean I think Aston Martin probably were, were lower down than anyone expected a lot of you know hype and excitement around them that car last year was um, well over the course of the season was the third quickest car but they lost the points um, because of the brake dart issue the first race so um, you know they won a race last year they were regularly up there you'd hoped they could make a step and, and join that fight at the front but They've suffered because of the, the rule changes. They've dropped back. Um, and I think it'd be a shame if they can't make these improvements. To, so we get that really, really proper, you know, fantastic battle between McLaren and AlphaTauri and Ferrari and Alpine and Aston Martin. Because if, if things are mixing around between those five teams in that midfield, which hopefully is closer to Ferrari and Red Bull, then that would be a fantastic season. I mean, I think it has to go without saying that standout was Hamilton. Just, ha- just has to be um, and again John and I were talking about earlier on the fact that he never even appeared in the top three for the fan vote for driver of the day which I think again is just an indicator of how used to seeing Hamilton perform we are potentially um, but that was just 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 a cracking drive those you know those last four laps of the race were just insane to watch um, so I think it has to go to him. I mean, special shout out has to go to Lando Norris. I think, again, he had a, a really strong race today. And I am I stand by what um, I said after testing. I think him and McLaren are going to be a team to watch, even if they did have a slightly disappointing start to the weekend. It just goes to show what they can deliver when it comes to race day, which is, which is mightily exciting. In terms of disappointments, I mean, other than the obvious, I mean, I think we've written off Haas really for the rest of the season anyway, but... I mean, I don't know if you could have had a worse debut than what Mazepin had. He just was a non-entity, just spun all the time, just just not really 
there at all. Um, so, but I think other than that, I think Ocon for me is a bit of a question mark. Um, I think he's another driver who's really going to have to have a strong season to make sure that he keeps that seat. I mean, he's great for Alpine in that he's he's French and we know that he has got um, good races, good raceability. But I, I think last year wasn't really much to write home about. And again, he was a bit of a non-entity in this race. And when you're talking about a midfield that is as close as it is, I think he is going to have to be a driver that that really steps it up this season. So I think for me, those are kind of the... The, the two the two question marks for me interesting take there jbl you're up next are you going to be controversial with your standout driver <laughs> I, I do want to go a little bit different because i think obviously hamilton is a standout yes but i do agree that norris was fantastic today i think absolutely on the limit of what that mclaren could do i i don't think it could have been a better result for him today um maybe there was a slight chance if you know bottas had well, Bottas did stop again, but a little bit earlier so that Norris could have come out ahead and then maybe played that game. But I think the Mercedes was just a little bit too strong. So P4 is what, you know, best case scenario for them. But I agree with Jess as well. I think on the other end of the spectrum, I think Ocon is really at risk here. He was not... Okay, he did, as John mentioned, have a little bit of bad luck in qualifying, but he's been in the seat for a year. Fernando Alonso has been out of Formula 1 for two years and I would say pretty resoundingly beat him, I think it'd be fair to say. And I think there are two things that are telling here. Number one is that when we consider what Mercedes options for 2022 and beyond are, Ocon never comes into that conversation. We're We're always talking about George Russell and even though Ocon is still a Mercedes contracted driver, he's never enters that conversation. And I think the second point is, if you look at the support races this weekend, we had an Alpine in race, the second sprint race, an all Alpine podium. We had uh, Piastri, uh, Lungard and Guan Yu Zhou. And Guan Yu Zhou also won the uh, the third race as well in the weekend from pole. So they've got this crop of juniors that are, by the end of the season, they'll be absolutely ripe for picking if they can keep this up, um, if they can keep up that level of performance. And that will present Alpine with a big problem. Do they stick with Ocon, who, if he continues like this, he's underperforming, or go for one of these many rookie drivers that they've got who all look really, really impressive? And I think if I had to pick, uh, maybe I'd go for one of those three rather than than stick. But so... but. You know, we've still got another 22 races and Ocon can perhaps turn it around, but he'll be looking over his shoulder for sure. But looking ahead now, we've got Imola up next. John, to wrap things up, what should we be looking out for as we go into the next race weekend? Obviously, we do have a little bit of a break, but given what you've seen today, what do you think are the things to keep an eye on? I think it's where Mercedes goes from here. This was a weekend where they were on the back foot, braced for the worst Um you know, this is the, the biggest trouble Mercedes has been in uh, in terms of kind of championship and overall competitiveness since the turbo hybrid era begun and they've come out with a win. So it says a lot of where they are. So if this is them on the back foot on a difficult weekend and they triumph, then they've, you know, three weeks work on the car to understand where the problems are, make improvements, just try to, you know, get the setup nailed. So find the sweet spot that Toto keeps talking about so you can only expect them to get stronger from here. 
Um, so I think it's seeing what where that kind of performance balance between Red Bull and Mercedes is, and then whether the Verstappen pace today was real or not. Was that diff problem that he was suffering from? Did that cost him a few temps per lap? Um, did it burn the tyres a bit too much, perhaps? Um, and was that the difference? If um, Verstappen could have broken free of Lewis early on, maybe the potential for the the undercut wouldn't have worked because the gap would have been too big. If Perez had been up there, then Mercedes wouldn't have had these undercut options anyway. So I th- think there's a lot to play for. But I think I'd want to know whether the performance we've seen this weekend is real. Is the is the Rebel mighty on single lap pace, but Mercedes is better over race distances, perhaps? Um, these are the issues that we kind of we'll only understand. We've got a, a bit of a more of a data set than just one race weekend. First race of the 2021 season, and if it's anything to go by, then we're in for a very exciting season ahead. Here is what you can see right now on Autosport Plus. Stuart Codling writes about the unconventional ways that F1 launches in heightened anticipation for racing. Ben Edwards takes a look at how Charles Leclerc can be the galvanizing figure that Ferrari needs. And Alex Kalinokas has filed his Bahrain race report with all the analysis of the data which showed how Lewis Hamilton held off Max Verstappen. New subscribers who sign up today can use the promo code PODCAST during checkout to save 50% off their first payment. Go to autosport.com forward slash plus, click sign in at the top of the page and then use that promo code PODCAST and get that 50% discount. Thank you guys for listening today and we will be back for Imola. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Spring training is right around the corner. So come for the games and have a ball in Arizona. With world-class resorts, unbeatable dining and nightlife, amazing scenery, and endless outdoor adventure. Make your visit unforgettable. Plan your getaway at myspringtraining.com. Podcast Network.